Hey everyone, it's Jake here. Thanks for joining in to the Wellspring Podcast. If you're ready to be encouraged, but also challenged to live a bold life for Jesus and get rid of the old useless traditions of man, well, you've come to the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into this week's message. Thank you so much again for your love for us. Thank you that you have uh, fought this battle against um, death, hell, and the grave, and you have won, and you have purchased our freedom. And Lord, I thank you that today we would enjoy that freedom, we would exercise that freedom, Lord, not to sin, not of fleshly things, but we would exercise that freedom to get to know you better because there was a once, there was a, a, a bridge that, there was a, a, a chasm that you built a bridge across because of your love and what you did on the cross. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that our ears would be open to hear your word today and be changed. Um, God, we honor you today in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen, amen. Um, I'm going to tell the title of this message, but before I do, I want to share just a couple of interesting stats uh, online. Just interesting to kind of set this up. Did you know that in 1935, just 89 years ago, uh, in Texas, only 2% of farms had electricity? 30 years later, only 2% did not have electricity. Isn't that interesting? In the 90s, cell phones, you know, started becoming a big thing. Who was around? when cell phones kind of started becoming a thing. We didn't even have a cell phone when we got married. In 2007, just 17 years ago, is that right? Is that math right? The first iPhone hit the market. The very first iPhone. 2024, 97% of Americans own a cell phone. In... It's just interesting how quick that those things change, right? Things change quick. Listen, in the early 1900s, okay, so just 100 or so years ago, Ford was the first to start producing, mass-producing cars. Think about the billions of cars that are across the world. Things can quickly change. You know, we went centuries and even thousands of years where people did relatively the same thing. You know what I mean? I mean, the basic necessities for living were, you know, very similar. And think things changed and they can change quickly. Now, when I say things can change quickly, in a lot of history, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, or even 100 years is still what we would call quickly. I mean, when you've been doing the same thing for thousands of years, hundreds of years, and something totally changes in 20, then that would be, I would consider, a relatively quick change. When I was born, 1979, there were roughly 4.3 billion people on the earth. Today, or as of 2023, there's over 8 billion. Twice as many people on the earth as when I was born. 
Now, if you go back to about whenever my dad was born or maybe brother Lee a little bit longer around late forties, fifties era, there, there was, listen, a little over 2 billion people. I saw these numbers and I was like, wow, that's not very long. I mean, when my dad was born, there's a little over 2 million people and now there's over 8 billion people. Things have changed across our world a lot. There are more people being born that need to hear the good news about God. That Jesus is God and he died so that they may have life. There's a change in knowledge. Think about how easily knowledge can be gotten. Knowledge can be gotten so easy now on Google. I'm here to tell you that I I have a 13-year-old son that's way smarter than anybody in this room. Now, I'll say that facetiously, and if you have any teenagers, you ever felt that way? Your teenager feels, you feel like, any parents ever felt that way? It's like, I'm so glad that I raised a child to be so much smarter than me. I mean, their rate of, I'm just, I'm trying to be funny. But, but it is true in a lot of ways that knowledge can be gotten so much easier. It's more convenient, right? More access than any generation before. Who remembers encyclopedias? I was blessed when I was a kid. It's like if you wanted to learn something, like you had to go find it. It was a big deal. When I was in Bible school, I had, I mean, I had a truckload of books that I had to have, you know, between the Strongs and Lexicons. And man, right now I can pull up the Bible and I can pull up like 20 different commentaries very quickly. And they used to be like, I mean, I remember studying for a sermon it used to be like an event. I mean, you'd sit down. I had two desks. I had two monitors. I'd pull out books. And I mean, I'd be, I don't know how to go find this book. And, and now it's just so quick to change. Knowledge could be gotten so quick. But, or at least say it like this, yet problems don't seem to be getting figured out. There's a whole new slew of problems. Church membership in 2023 has dropped below the majority in the history of America. It's finally, it's the, the membership, not, not going, like people that consider themselves church members is below 50%. It went below that line last year. And people that go once a month has dropped even much lower than that. People that actually go to church, I mean, it's down like, some say like 20% of people that are church members consider themselves go to church. So all these stats are all over the place when you go try to look, and I try to look up some of the most trusted, what you call name brand, Google. The main reason that many decide not to go to the church is because and in quotations for those listening on podcasts, they observe their faith in other ways. But we can look at the moral fabric of our nation, the state of our education, our schools, and many other metrics show that ain't working. Many want to talk about the church not doing its job. 
That's like me complaining that the mechanic isn't doing his job when I haven't even taken my car down to the shop. Listen, I, I believe that Jesus is the one that's building his church. And we partner with him as he builds his church. Amen? And all throughout the word, he talks about using men, using people, right? Partner with them to be his hands and feet on, on earth. Romans talks about how will they know unless there's a preacher. I'm not talking about a pulpiteer. To preach the word can be done by anybody at any time, any place. It's simply telling the good news. Amen. I believe there is a need for us all to get a new reality check on the importance of the local church that preaches week in, week out, Leaders, children's leaders, mentors, pastors across our nation, across the world. It's more, it's more important now than ever before, I would say, to spread the message of the gospel to the next generation. The message today is called Church for the Next Generation. I am passionate about this. I've gotten fired up about this this week. Uh, the church for the next generation. And I'm not even just talking about the kids that are over in children's church. They're kind of the now generation. The teenagers are the now generation. I'm talking about even the next generation. I'm talking about the ones Dante's talking about fighting for, even the unborn the ones that aren't even here yet, what, will, what kind of world will they be born into? Are they going to be born into a world to where one of the, the most prominent Christian nations in, on the earth, most of its people, is like church, maybe. It's such a small percentage of people. Is that the world they're going to be born into? Dante did such an amazing job last week, but he shared with us, and he, I don't remember the details exactly, but he, he was saying he's been ministering to teenagers, and there's these teenagers that didn't even, had never even heard of who Adam and Eve is. I remember doing youth ministry, and I was talking to this one uh, young person. They were about 16 years old, and I was talking about what they were going through and different things, and, and I said, it's like Jonah in the well, and I started talking about that story, and they said, What? What kind, that is crazy. I've never heard that before in my life. They, they never heard the story about Jonah and the whale. There's so many that have not heard the good news of Jesus. They have not heard this truth. Revival, revival. How many's heard the word Revival. We're hearing so much about revival. We're going to have a revival. I was raising the revival meetings. Who remembers? I mean, if Sunday morning went really good, what happened? Come back tonight. And if Sunday night went really good, what'd you do? We're extending the revival to Monday night. Who, who went to some of those meetings? We had some of those here. They're fun. They're awesome. I love them. But in light of these statistics that I start out with, let's see revival as what may happen over 50 years, over 20 years, not just a fun meeting. And I, listen, I've said this before, and I know it was probably a little offensive, but sometimes when we, if, we just, if it's just about one meeting, 
Then it's like planning. We're just we're having our Holy Spirit splash parties. It's fun. It's great. I love it. I, lo- I love to come in. We have those moments. But it's not about one meeting. It's not even about... It's about so much more. Getting raised, getting taught these things that we begin to pour into the local churches across our nation, empowering those Sunday school teachers, those youth workers, children's workers, nursery workers, so that the church can be stronger, so we can have it strong, so that it will still be here. We, when you look at a human body, whenever it's not being taken care of, when it's being neglected, nutrition-wise, fitness-wise, all the things, what happens? Dies early. We see that. It's the same thing with the church. It's not just a one workout thing. It's not just a one meal thing. It's longevity of the health of the body. Isn't it interesting how he said we are the body of Christ? That Jesus, after he took that punishment, our punishment on the cross, took that sin upon him that he did not deserve. He died for us. He, rose, he paid for sin. He paid our debt. Then he rose again to give us new life. And then he ascended to heaven, and he said, I'm going to send forth my spirit to be with you and dwell with you, and now you are going to be the ones that are my body here on earth, spreading the message of Christ. If we're the body of Christ, then we must talk about the health of our body, the health of the local church. The universal church of Christ, okay, universal church, we're, we're all a part of the broad body of Christ. How many would say, amen, you agree with that? Many would, many would actually use that scripture in error, kind of saying, like, I don't have to go to a church, I am the church. It, when you look up, and this will be for another sermon, when we look up what the meaning of that church is, it's like, okay, Yes, you are the church, but when we look in Revelation, when we talk about the order of the church, we talk about the early church, we do see church of Laodicea, church of Philadelphia, oh, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in, see, there is many, many scriptures that talk about the local churches. And I believe, and I know most of you do too, I'm preaching to the choir, that really the fabric that's holding, the Kevlar fabric that's holding our nation this far is because we do have local churches spread out across our nation. In the areas where they get pushed out, we see the degradation of those areas. We see those areas to where the other churches not of Jesus are getting lifted up. We see the, what happens in those times. All right, so I'm going to read some scripture. That was just my intro. All right, it's going to be a short one today. So we know that, and I'll say this again, we believe that, that the church is very important across our nation, across the world. The local place where you can actually go. 
And revival is spread over decades, not just in one meeting. We believe that we're partnering with Jesus in the building of this church that preaches truth of God's word to bring life to those that hear it. Amen? To preach the good news and to build strength. We see that the church, really there's two, two big things I'll move on. It's, it's centered around the good news of Jesus, so that's salvation. And the step number two is the work of discipleship. That's really the only two things. The good news, it delivers us, saves us from the pit, right? And then we move into, it's, it's not just an evangelism meeting, but then it moves into discipleship. Amen. And that sets us apart. Amen. Psalm chapter 78. Here we go. Boy, I just came running in on that sermon right there, didn't I? I feel like I just busted in. Were you even ready for that? I mean, I'm just rolling. Psalm 78, verse 1. I want to read this, this uh, several verses right here. <clears throat> Thank you, Tony, for... Put getting scriptures up there. Thank you. Your blessing. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories of our ancestors handed down to us. Are we seeing a theme here? Verse four, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell. Everyone say, we will tell. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. You guys thought I was just making all of that up, didn't you? And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Wow. So each generation should, should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Look, go back to verse four. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation. If you're taking notes, this, this point, this, these three words right here, and it's like, we will tell. We've got we to gotta grab a hold of this personally. This is not just a pastor's job. It's all of our jobs that we will tell. We, who are we? We can apply this to us. If you believe in God, you believe in his glorious acts, then that you're part of the we. Will, what does that mean? That means you're not resistant to it. You're not objecting to it. That means you're not just forgetting about it. It's you will. You will. Are you a part of the wills? I pray we all are. And then tell. Actually, tell. Tell. We will tell. We will tell. Listen. 
if we're going to continue, if the church is going to continue, it's going to be because of those in the church that are courageous, they're resilient, they're coming after us. They've never not been after us, but they find new ways. They find, you know, there's, there's times where the church has found a safe place. We read this, you know, the stories of the church in China. Remember, they would find an under, they call it the underground. So they find a place where it's safe until it's not. And there's not going to be an eternal safe place until Jesus comes and sets things right. We're not going to find eternal safety while we're here on earth. If Joshua and Caleb, remember he, he told them, he, he said, here's the promised land. It's yours. You go take it. It's going to be great and it's awesome. Be strong and courageous. Even in the promised land, it didn't mean there was just a safe place around every corner. There's enemies to fight. There's a reason that he said be strong and courageous to do what he said. And today, one of the underlying themes for all of 2024 is this word right here, resilient. Resilient. You can take a hit, but get back up. You can, you know, if you've followed boxers, I mean, you could hit hard and hit all day long. But if you can't take a hit, you're going down. And so the church is not just about hitting the enemy. It's about being able to take a hit. That's why we have the shield of faith. If you were never going to get hit, why would you need the shields? Why would you need armor? That's because the armor is designed to take hits. It's not to be pretty. And there's been decades and decades where we have been polishing our armor. In this pretty armor. Now the armor is there so you can take a hit and keep going. You're resilient. Some of you have taken some hits. Come on, you've had losses. You've had those times where things did not go as you planned. You took the hit, but you're here today. Amen? It's the time to start seeing that armor in a different light. Resilient. We're going to be a resilient church. Amen. Next scripture, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think glory to him. Where in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. He's talking about the church. We're in Christ, but we are in the church. We're a part of the church universal, but we're also a part of the church local. Those people we see in, day in, day out. So in the church. See, first is first, we will tell. But this is something I want to point out. We do tell it outside the church, and that would fall in because we're a part of the church. But we also keep the base strong in the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Come on now. 
in the church. The devil wants to stop the church. He's tried a lot over the years. Just how many years ago now? 60, 70 years ago. Tried eliminating every Bible they could. Pile the Bibles in the streets. Wars fought to stop the church. Wars over the word, the Bible that sits and collects dust on our nightstand. Wars were fought to try to stop it. And wars were fought to try to defend it. Amen? There's a great freedom we have in the church. Let's exercise it. All right, next scripture, Psalm 145. I've only got 13 points today. We're almost there. Just kidding. I love you, Steve. He always gets me. We're right there. He gets me. Psalm 145, verse 1. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majesty, glorious splendor, and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. This next point is in verse 4. It says, let each generation, let each, look at that. It says, there you go. There it is right there too. Man, she's on it. But that's what it says in verse four here. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let each generation, let. Sometimes you got to, Put some effort behind your let's, right? It's not just let. Sometimes you gotta you gotta work on the let. Let yourself be healthy. Well, that didn't sound so easy, right? Let yourself eat healthy food. See, sometimes you gotta have a decision behind the let's. You gotta make that decision down in your heart. And I like this word each here. It's not just a one and done. I have a, we've gone through many storage rooms here at this ministry. And I was going through a lot of interesting stuff, even what back when Pastor Mike Glazner was here. And just old boxes. And I was like, Lord, you know, thanks for those that have gone before. It's like there's an honor for those that have gone before. Back in. 1984, found some doc, you know, some th- old stuff, you know. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. But we're at a new generation. We're, we're at the next step. So it's let each, they did it for, for then. And we see the ones that are, that came from that. But let's do it again. Each generation. It's not just to set it and forget it. It's generational. And I don't know if Jesus is coming back 
tonight, four days, 40 days, or honestly, 400 years. And you don't know either. When you read the scripture about not knowing, even when the sun was saying, not sure. So, so what does that tell me? That means I have to live on purpose because I don't know. Then I live not in decision. Uh, no. It's like, if he comes back good, I want to be caught plowing. If he comes back good, let me be caught preaching. If he comes back, let me be caught faithful. Because we can't just sit back and think our end times eschatology, right? Our theology on end times, we can't let that stop us from doing what is right today. And honestly, I've talked to people, there's no matter really what you believe, really comes down to the heart on what you're doing for today. Some people say if you believe in the rapture, then you're just trying to escape. Well, actually, some of the people that work hardest for the gospel I've, that I know have believed in that. And some people say, oh, it's, you know, post-millennial. He's coming back after. I've seen some of those people that are not taking it seriously. It really comes down to that heart decision that my life belongs to Christ. I don't know exactly when, but until then, I'm going to tell each generation. Let each generation, let, them, let me tell my children. I'm thankful. My daughter right now is over here preaching to the daughters of who my wife preached to the moms. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like, wow, this is so cool. But we're obeying the word. Amen. Let each generation. Even the most brilliant scientist can see and point to an intelligent design. The calendars are marked by the Son of God that, that Jesus Christ's birth. When we read the calendar, it points. The birth of Jesus so changed history that the world's marked calendar B.C. before Christ. There's so much that is pointed to him through the word and through historical records. If you are going to believe anything, this has got the most cred. Bar none, not compared, not a close second. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. We're almost done. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of re return is drawing near. Let us, and I'm going to read the scripture here, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Oh, it's up there. Oh, it is up there. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. It is upon this revelation 
of who Christ is, that he'll build his church. Many would say, well, it's built on Peter. It was upon his, that revelation of who Christ is. Upon that revelation of who he is is how the church is built. So when we go back to Hebrews 10, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another, acts of love, good works, and not neglect our meeting together. He is saying how important it is that we come together because from that point, can we start thinking? Can we start dreaming? Can we start getting vision together on what? How this generation is different than the last. Why would we need to think of ways if we knew all the ways how we did it? Come on, I took a little left turn where you thought I was going with that. If we just did it the same three ways, then why would we need to get together and meet and say, let us think of ways to do what? Number four, last is think of ways. It's hard to, to put into words how important, I want you to, us to see this, how important it is that we get together in the church and then we also have relationships within the church that we talk outside the church, right, outside of the church meeting, in the function of thinking of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. A lot of times love is so vague because, you know, you can think you love somebody like you think it. You just, I can be thinking how much I love Heidi. But she doesn't know it until I show it to her or I tell her. I've just thought it. In fact, ready, marriage advice, guys, you're going to think a lot of good things about your spouse and she won't know you thought it. I know it's, it's just totally revolutionary right there. You'll think it and believe it or not, she won't know it unless you tell her. There you go. No charge for that. If you want more marriage advice, I'm going to charge you for it. Just let me know until you tell it or you have actions to show it. And so many times with the church, we're thinking, we're thinking about how much we love Jesus and how much we would love to see people come to the knowledge of Christ. We're thinking it, but we're not always showing it or saying it. So it says, think of ways to motivate one another to think good thoughts and how and just reflect upon how much you love Christ and how much you love people. No, it says to motivate, to act. This, how many know that sometimes it's, it's the actions that are hard? Remember here a couple months ago, I talked about working out and I just, Got people up here. We're gonna do push-ups, and I just said the words. Then I hear push up, push up, and just kind of do the form, but not actually get down and do push-up. Sometimes it's harder to actually. I know this is hard, right? Sometimes it's harder to actually do it. 
Sometimes it's harder to do a push-up than to say, I'm going to do a push-up. Don't shout me down. I'm bringing as simple as as I can. We can't just say we love people. We can't just say we love the church. We can't just say we love young people. We can't just say we love children. Can't just say it. And it mean anything. And you sure enough can't just think it and it mean anything. You know, God knows your thoughts, but people don't. And so we have to think of ways to motivate. And not and he followed that up with not neglecting getting together and putting some of those things in action. Okay? I do believe there's more people that need to be helping Dante and Chloe and Children's Church and youth. They didn't ask me to preach this today. But what I am saying is, is that it's, it's all of our responsibility to teach each generation. Amen? Think of ways. We're not saying that each generation will have the same interests, the same look, the same talk. But all generations need to, to do acts of love and have good works. And I know y'all, y'all, some of y'all followed all the different lingo. You got Gen Z lingo and all the different things. And, you know, Heidi, I think, mentioned this and her. She really wants to understand, like, here's a, you hear a word, like, okay, what? Has this plot, and I actually saw the other day. Probably should have looked up some scriptures. They actually somebody put together like a Gen Z Bible. Have you ever seen this? It's a hilarious. I mean, it's not like really making fun. It's just like how would someone say it now? You know what I mean? And you can make fun of them all you want, but we're the ones that loved NIV. Come on now, you know, <laughs> like New Living, right? You know, and, and, and but the point. The point here that I'm that I'm trying to make is that is that when you would go into a new land to be a missionary, you would first have to try to understand how to even communicate. But right, you know what I mean? It's like I can get up there and preach for two hours in English, but if they they only know Spanish or they only know some other dialect, you've done no good. So there is an amount of getting in there and learning the language. That's why youth ministry sometimes is hard because it's a constant learning because each generation comes in. And so there's an effort to come in and say, how can I best communicate? The gospel does not change. Jesus does not change. God is, does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And each generation must be taught those things about God so that the message would continue to each generation. Amen. We will tell. Number two, in the church. Number three, let each generation. And the last one, think of ways. The church for the next generation. There's got to be a new, a new passion for all of us, including myself, 
that what we're doing here now, we're, we're laying down more foundation, we're laying down more bricks so that next generation can come in and build upon that. I was talking with Drew before, and we were just talking about how, you know, his dad and, you know, my father-in-law, you know, they were here, you know, what they did back in the 80s and 90s and you know, how they were going, you know, and, and doing their best, you know, spread the gospel and doing their work and doing their things. And, and it's so cool. It's like, well, guess what? What will they be saying about us 40 years from now? What will that next generation say? The next generation that comes down and is going through all my junk. You know what I mean? Like we get so caught up on, on, on temporal things, on things that don't matter for anything. Let's make sure we don't forget the main thing, and that is Jesus. He's not a thing. I phrased that wrong. The, the main revelation thing, which is that realization of who he is, what the gospel means, and lead that next generation. So could we pray together right now? Would you pray with me? This is going to be a prayer that God would begin to build in us strength and resilience and a new vigor for, for building the church that we partner with him. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that each and every one of us, Lord, would get a new uh, revelation, like a reality check of how important the local church is. Lord, and across our town, across our state and our country, Lord, I pray for all those pastors and leaders and Sunday school teachers and youth directors and children's workers. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Would, would you just pour out on them? Would you just bless them, refresh them? I pray there would be like um, a reminder of how important their role is in eternal life. Lord, that we are carrying the message of eternal life. Jesus, you are the wellspring of life. And you have chosen to dwell in us. And you have chosen the church and its function for your purpose. And I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Let us be faithful people. Let us be faithful to follow you. Let us be faithful in our yeses, Lord, that we would say yes to you. And Lord, I believe right now that even in this room, even those listening on podcasts, Lord, that, that you're, you're moving on their heart. There's some things in, in their heart that they want to do for you. And I pray, God, that they would find that place, that place of purpose to serve a greater vision, a greater purpose than what meets the eye. Lord, you're building in us, trusting you. Lord, we trust you. We believe in you. And I pray, Lord, that our life would honor you in every way. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. So, Jesus, we come to you and we say, Lord, we have many problems. We have many stresses. But, Lord, thank you that, that you still let us be a part of your body, of your church. So, Lord, I pray blessings over this church, Lord, as well, and Wellspring, Lord, for the future. Lord, that this would be a lighthouse, a beacon to spread your good news and disciple the next generation.
Jesus, we love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name, everyone says, Amen, amen and amen. You can stand to your feet.